did. Glory to God. I tell you what, if we get some new sound and the sound, the choir gets to sound any better, what are we going to do? Band and choir? We may just have to sing all night. Didn't they sound good tonight? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. Well, um, I don't know. I think probably Susan, since she was leading, picked the songs for tonight. And I almost was going to have her sing Count Your Blessings again because that's pretty much what we're going to do tonight. Yeah, really good thing. Um, If I was going to, you know, you don't get to do this kind of thing too often, but, um, um, you know, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so if I had to do something and preach a sermon to myself, I think this would be it. So I'll preach a sermon to myself tonight, and y'all get to listen, okay? How's that? That be okay? All right. You you may change your mind when you get to hearing it, but... I'm pretty hard on my own self sometimes, I tell you. I, I, you know, you beat your own self black and blue sometimes, you know. No, it's, it's going to be real good. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, turn with me if you would. Everybody have a Bible. If you don't, raise your hand. I think our ushers has got some extra ones they'll let you borrow. And uh, you can look at the Word for your own self or look at it on the screen, whatever tickles your fancy, whatever you like best. Whatever you can see best. Turn with me to Luke 6.37. Everybody comfortable? Everybody on the front row cold enough? Everybody back there warm enough? It's kind of fun in here sometimes, but it's the way it goes. If you want to be cold, sit on the front. If you want to be warmer, you can sit in the back. So there you have it. So, All right, Luke 637. It says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. The New Living says, Do not judge others, and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn others, and it'll not come back against you. Doesn't that sound better? The Message says, The Message talks like I talk sometimes, does it you? It says, uh, and you know it's a paraphrase. It's not a translation, so when you're reading it, make sure you realize that. It says, Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people and you'll find life a lot easier. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. You know, I was thinking about my niece just had a little baby today, and I was thinking about that a little bit. And um, I was thinking about how we do with little babies. How many of you ever had a little baby or been around a newborn? What do you do with it? You grab it, and, and you ooh, and you ah, and you tell how wonderful it is, right? And you go on and on about how perfect it is and how beautiful it is and how good it smells and you can just cuddle it and kiss it, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you never talk about how it just spit up all over you. (laughs) Or how many diapers you have to change. Or how it stinks. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ignore all that stuff Because it's so cute. Right? You can see all the wonderful things about that little baby. And it don't matter how many times it spits up on you. You just go change your top again and put on another top. How many ever ever got ready to come to church and you have a little baby and you had to change? Look at the hands. Look at all over the place. Hands. 
Now, did you get furious at that little baby? Did you get mad? Did you get aggravated? Did you not like that little baby anymore? Did you come here to church and talk about what that baby did to you? See what I'm saying? You ever held a baby even if it was somebody else's and it wet on you? Right through the diaper, wet on your good clothes. Now, did you go away and talk about how horrible that baby was to everybody you met for the next month? And criticize that baby about how bad it was. Now, why didn't you? Because it was so cute. Right? You ignored every one of that baby's faults. Because it's so cute. And because you don't expect anything more out of that baby. That's just what babies do. Babies throw up on you and they spit up on you. And they get snot all over you. (laughs) And they do some gross stuff. I mean really gross stuff sometimes. And their milk will come out of their nose. And you don't go out and tell everybody how gross they eat. And they get their food all over their face when they eat. And do you criticize them? And they say some of the dumbest stuff sometimes. Have you ever had them say something that really embarrasses you? I mean, really, really, really embarrasses you? That you wish they wouldn't tell that it was something that you thought they wasn't paying any attention when you said it? And they get in front of somebody that you really don't want it told, and they tell it. Do you really hate them then? You really hate them. And you despise them because they talked about you. Right? Why not? Because they're a baby. They're a child. And they say things they don't think about. And they do things they don't think about. They might embarrass you. You ever had one pull off their clothes and run through the street or... They do things that embarrass you sometimes, don't they? But they're still yours, right? And you still love them. So why do we just automatically assume because somebody else, you know, has a full-grown body, maybe they're not still a baby in some ways, So it's okay all of a sudden to start being critical. And what, what age did we decide that that changed? Was it three, four, 34, 17? What age did you start being critical of your kids? And saying how bad they were. When did it change? Let's look at some more scripture. Romans 14.10. See, it's different, isn't it?
But why do thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The message says again, a paraphrase. So where does that leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly. Or worse. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment, facing God, and your critical, condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Why do we think it would? Why do we think if we judge somebody else, it's going to get us any higher up the ladder? Does it? Does it? I know. And, and again, what did I tell you? I'm talking to me. I'm preaching this sermon for me. And y'all get to listen. Okay? Y'all want to hear it? Okay. Have you ever gotten frustrated at anybody? Really frustrated? I'll stand over here because most of the employees are over there. (laughs) Have you ever gotten irritated with an employee? Anybody got employees? You ever got irritated with them? What's the next thing you do? As soon as you leave them, usually what is the next thing you do? You find somebody and you voice it to, right? Like you've never made a mistake. Or you've never done anything dumb. Right? Why would we get irritated when somebody else does something dumb, like Dave not turning on his microphone? (laughs) He said it. I didn't. He said he's done dumb stuff before. He said it. He said once. (laughs) I mean, say you told an employee to do something, and you told them 62 times, and they never changed it. Can you get irritated? For sure. But what should you do? Let's talk about a child. Say you've got a child. Have you ever gotten upset with your child? And really, really, really gotten mad at him because you told him to be home by 11 o'clock and you told him not to drink and you told him not to go to that place and you told him 50 times and they're still doing it. Have you ever gotten mad? Sure. When you were a teenager, did you ever do anything dumb? Remember, I'm talking to myself. I never did nothing dumb when I was a teenager. Just ask my mom and dad. Thank God they're not here tonight. How did you want your parents to treat you when you did something like that? 
Did you want him just to fly off the handle and blow it? We're going to talk about some of it in just a second. What about, this is a fun one, what about husbands and wives? You ever been frustrated? You've asked them to do something 62,000 times and they're still doing it? Sharon's laughing a little too loud up here. She said, shh. If you're married, you've been there. There's things that can frustrate you. What do you do about it? How do you fix it? Who fixes it? God ain't going to fix it for you. Not if you keep getting frustrated and... Doing this number, he he himself can't fix some of the things we do for ourselves. If we're doing this, we're judging and jumping. The only reason I say that is because I would be willing to uh, sit and listen when people are doing it if if you were the Holy Ghost, and I'd I'd be willing to tell you, I'd say bet, but I'm not a better but that God and the Holy Ghost are both sitting there saying, be quiet, don't say that, don't do that, don't do that, don't say, don't. And your mouth is going to, it's going to say it anyway. Right? That mouth, when you're in a frustrated situation, does it just seem to fly open whether you want it to or not? Nobody's but mine does that in this whole place. Nobody's ever said anything in this place that they regret saying, right? Yeah, there's a couple honest people back there. Yeah. The rest of you are too holy. (laughs) You've never gotten into heated discussions with your spouse or your kids or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. It just seems like it just can happen before you realize what has happened. And God himself won't fix it for you because all the while, the Holy Ghost inside of you is saying, what did Keith say? Watch that mouth. What about your friends? Has anybody ever had any friends hurt them? What do you want to do to them? You want to start criticizing them. Turn about spare play. They talked about me. Let's have a talk about it party. How many people can we call? You know, in the olden days, they used to, how many of you remember the party lines? We'll just have us a party line party. And we'll talk about them the rest of the night. Because they hurt me and I didn't deserve to be hurt. So we'll criticize and we'll judge them. Because when you're hurt, the natural tendency is to do what? Hurt somebody else. And nowadays... The, the bad part about it is people don't just talk on the party line. They text and email it that can be magnified 500 times. And it's written in. And you can't take it back. Ask the teenagers, is that right? Where are all of them at? Yeah, there's some of them sitting over here. Is that right? You can't take it back once you did it, right? No, uh-uh. It's, it's bad stuff. And what about some of you even that's got older parents or, or something that you're helping take care of? Have you gotten frustrated, tired? 
just can't fix it? What's, what do you want to do? You want to start talking and judging and criticizing and sit around for hours and do what? In every one of these situations, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's a parent and child, whether it's a employer, employee, whether it's a brother and sister, no matter which one of these situations you want to talk about, yes, there is a problem, but you have two choices the moment that you recognize there is a problem. You can begin to magnify the problem or magnify the answer. And what most humans do is what? Magnify the problem. And talk about it. 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 And talk about it some more. And then talk about it some more. And then find five more people and talk about it. And then talk about it some more. And what does that do to the problem? Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Is it fixing the problem? Is it fixing the employee? Is it fixing the spouse? No. Is it fixing the child? No. It's not fixing any of those situations. But there are ways to fix the problem. Instead of instantly judging the situation of what the person has done wrong, there are ways to begin to flip the coin. How many of you have done the other thing for a very long time? Oh, yeah, most of us have. There's four people in here that have. <laughs> Y'all going to get some answers, right? Yeah, okay, good. All right. Let me ask you this question before we get into some answers. How many people in here, I want you to stop and think for just a minute and really, really check your heart. This is a serious question. Would you say actually believe in you, wholehearted, 100%, no questions asked, thoroughly and completely believe in you as a person. How many of you can name ten people? I don't see one hand. Maybe one person. Two people. Maybe four people, yeah. Five. Few people. Very, very few people can name ten people that they really, really feel like believes in them as a person. Now, is that sad or what? So what should we do as a body of what do we call ourselves? Believers. What would help that employee that really messed up? Really, really, really big time for the 110th time because you've tried jumping on them for 62,000 times. Maybe they're not in the right spot. Maybe they need to be moved to another spot, in a spot where you can believe in what they're doing. But you must believe in them as a person. Amen. 
you must believe in the God that's in them and the Holy Ghost that's in them as a person to help them accomplish what they need to accomplish. And if you are an employer and you can't do that, well, then maybe you missed it in hiring them to start with. But you must believe in them. How many of you have ever been chewed out by a boss? Did it make you want to do more for them or less for them? They're laughing over here. Did it make you want to work extra or go in your office and tear something up? How many of you have actually had a boss or someone who did believe in you? What did it make you want to do for them? A lot more. So instead of giving way to the thing that you are upset about, what we must grow in, and I told you I'm preaching to my own self tonight and you get to hear it. Okay? is we must grow in watching how you emotions immediately what happens when you get upset those emotions just come in and they just flood you because somebody really really irritated you and does the devil know how to push your buttons does he know exactly which button to push and does he know exactly when to push it Will he do that for you frequently? If he knows it's going to upset you, he will do it immediately. So the more you give him place, the more he's going to do it. So the less you give him place, the less he's going to do it. What about your kids? What about, only ten people in here said they could, I mean, ten people could name ten people. What about if you truly, truly convince them that you believed in them? Maybe they have messed up 99,000 times. But there's a difference in them messing up and them being a mess up. And most kids believe they are a mess up. Not that they made a mistake or not that they messed up, but they are fully, wholly, and completely a mess up. And you must be able to help them to distinguish between they messed up and they are a mess up. You believe in them. And you help them to begin to see the difference between the two. What about your spouse? How far apart has it gotten to where they think that you actually do believe in them? How long has it been since you told them that? I know women. Let me ask you a question. Don't be embarrassed because your husband is sitting next to you. If you can't say this in front of your husband, there's more problems than that. How many women in here would like to hear on a normal and regular basis something like, I know it's mushy, so be ready. (laughs) You know what? I love you. And I don't know if I I would want to, you know, Keith gets frustrated with me because I say when he goes, I'm going with him. He says, Phyllis, don't say that. God may want you to stay. And I say, 
because I don't want to be here unless he's, you know, but anyway. How many of you um, women would like to hear your husband say on a kind of semi-regular basis, they need you and they, you don't know if they could make it without you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Women, raise your hand. That's pretty important to you, isn't it? That they really need you and they want you around. And they could hardly live without you. That you're like the number one thing to them. They raised their hand. You couldn't see it, but most all of them raised their hand, I think. How hard would that be, guys? Some of the guys are going, oh, God. Don't make me do that. I'm not making you do anything. Hey, you can have whatever kind of marriage you want. Women. It's your turn's coming. Guys. How well would you like for your wife to actually respect you and believe in the decisions that you made? And know that she respected you and believed in the decisions. Would that mean something to you? Raise your hand. All the men said, mm-hmm. Now, if we could just have those two things going, we could have a, you know how a swing goes back and forth and back? We'd have a whole lot less separations, a whole lot less fightings. So why does the devil fight those things so hard? Because he knows your buttons. He knows what the guys don't want to say, and he knows what the girls don't want to do. So he keeps you in a standoff about half the time. Instead, what does he do? With employers and employees, parents and children, husbands and wives, he makes you forget all the wonderful things about them and makes you realize all the bad things, like the throwing up and the snotty nose and the stinky diaper. But you forgot how cute that little baby face was, didn't you, Kim? And it was cute. And you saw a negative. And you forgot how cute that little sweet little face was that Mo had. (laughs) And you just remembered that he left the dirty dishes everywhere. And Jim forgot how sweet Connie was. He just got upset because she talked and said something out of place. And I don't have a clue that what I'm talking about about these people, but you understand what I'm saying. It's real easy to just think about a negative and forget all the positives that that person has about them. And forget all the wonderful things that they do. Like, for instance, me with employees. There's absolutely no way under the sun I could do all their jobs or even one of their jobs with everything else that I do. I wouldn't want to lose one of our employees. Not one. We've got the world's greatest, and I believe that with everything in me. I mean, they are some of the best anywhere. But when you get unthankful for what you have, you immediately see the faults. When you get unthankful for your kids and how good they are, you think you've got bad kids, you should see some of the other kids. You should find out 
what they're doing and then you could be thankful for what yours are. And you think you have a bad spouse? You should have to go home to one that beats you black and blue every night or sleeps around every other night or you know what I'm talking about. We forget to be thankful for the things that we have. And I didn't tell you what the title was tonight, but it's called Thankful Judging. We need to start judging things according to being thankful for them. As to what would you do without them? Sure, Dave's been working for us how long now? Seven years, something like that? Sure, there are things that he has done since he's been here that he frustrated me about. And I went and talked to him about them, and he frustrated me. But would I want to have to do what he does? No. So I should be thankful for what he does do instead of just being frustrated that he's messed up on that thing. Or I could sit there and just be irritated and mad because he messed up on that. And think about that. And call everybody in and say, do you know what Dave did? Do you know, do you know what he did? And make this huge, massive thing out of what he did, when most likely, in the whole grand scheme of things, you're going to forget it in a day anyway. But what happens is, we get so focused on us. And how it affects us when really we're supposed to be dead anyway. We're supposed to reckon ourselves dead. And if we was really dead, it wouldn't matter how we felt. But if we were thankful for what that person did for us, I mean, some of you in here ain't getting any younger. You might find it hard to find another spouse. Brother Hagen used to say this all the time. No, I ain't going to lose Aretha. I got her trained. I don't want to have to train somebody else. <laughs> he used to say that all the time. And, you know, it's that way. We really should begin to appreciate. You know, in reality... We should not even be focused on the natural things in our lives. We should look to God and say, Okay, God, what is your plan for our life? What do you have planned for us to do? And if he says, Okay, I want you guys to do this. And it's you guys to do this. Then how can you ever think about separating or divorcing when he says, you guys do this. You're going to look at God and you're going to say, I couldn't live with her. And he's going to say, I didn't ask you if you could live with her. I said, do this. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that stand before the Lord and he's going to say, I told you to keep this employee. And you're going to say, but Lord, they'd never do what I told them to do. And he's going to say, I didn't tell you to let them go. And there's going to be situation after situation after situation that because people irritated us or they frustrated us or we didn't like what they were doing, that our flesh didn't like what was going on, that we're going to stand before him and he's going to want to know covenant, marriage, divorce. What about the plan? What about what I told you to do? What about all these people that you didn't get to that you were supposed to minister to? Are you still going to be accountable for all them? 
What about that employee that was supposed to be in that position that wasn't there? What about that child that was supposed to be raised a certain way that was supposed to do this certain job for the Lord? But you got frustrated and didn't take the time to tell them you believed in them. It's too easy for us. And again, I am talking to my own self here, right? And you're getting to listen to it. It's too easy for us to let our emotions and our feelings and our frustrations come out and get totally and completely out of the plan that God had planned for us. And whoever happens to fall by the wayside, well, I just couldn't take it anymore. Is that what matters? Or doing God's will, is that what matters? And the biggest situation here is what you are focused on. So many times, if you're focused on the little things, they're going to keep you little. But if you focus on the big picture, the little things just kind of fall by the wayside. You even forget about them. You don't have time to think about them. I know there's so many things, little things in my life, I don't have time to think about or do. But if you believe that God has you here for a purpose and a plan, and He puts people around you for a reason and a purpose, then it's your job to believe in those people. That is part of your job. Whoever you are around, it's your job. To build them up. How many of you in here today had too much building up? Somebody believed in you too much and encouraged you too much today. Told you you were doing a good job too much today. That's what I thought. I think we all could grow in this. Of being thankful for the people that God has placed in our lives. Instead of just looking immediately at the negatives. Every one of us have negatives. I know if you sit here and look at me and I look perfect and I am perfect, you know, but I do have some faults. I don't want to disappoint you. No, you know that. And so do you. We all have faults. But why is it so easy to forget our own faults? so quickly and immediately look at other people's faults. When so much of the time, theirs are not any worse than ours are. It's just so much more fun to pick on theirs. But you don't know that you might need them really, really lots next week. What does the scripture say? Better a neighbor near than a friend afar. You might really, really need them. So we need to begin to cultivate thanksgiving in our lives for the people that are around us. Whether it's your spouse or your kids. Find out. I wrote down some things here. And I want to read them to you. Find out some things. I'll skip through a couple of pages to get to these because we'll skip out a line. That's okay to do because it's my sermon. I wrote it. (laughs) I didn't even steal Keith's this time. Find some positive points about the person or persons that you're irritated with. And write them down. Whether it's an employee, whether it's your boss. Maybe you're just really irritated with your boss. We're talking about employees, but maybe it's your boss. Maybe, I'll go back over here. There's wit over here, but maybe it's your boss. Find some really nice things about them. 
and write them down. And, uh, you know, think about it, you know. And, and I wrote some down. I, I thought you'd find that you could write these down. I, I think most people could write these down. They always brush their teeth. I'm going to help you out here, all right? You may, be, you may be having a tough time. They always use a fork when they eat. Right? I mean, it may be somebody you've really been having trouble with and you may be having a hard time thinking of some good things, you know? They always comb their own hair. Um, they always blow their own nose. They can pull up their own pants now. Yeah. And they actually show up for work. They don't steal. They get along with everybody. This is for an employee that talks all the time. They may not get their job done, but they get along with everybody. I'm telling you, you can think of some good things, guys. You'll like this one. And I know they can tell time. Because I never miss lunch or quitting time. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm talking about these things. My employees know I love them. But I'm telling you for your benefits. Find things that... You can write down, whether it's about your spouse. He always, uh, uh, let's see. He always puts his own shoes on, you know, or she always, uh, dresses nice, you know, or she, she, you know, she knows how to put her makeup on. And you know she does because it takes her an hour and a half to do it. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Think of things. She always looks nice when she dresses because it takes her three hours to do it, but she always looks nice when she does it. You know? Think of wonderful things to say about the person. Get thankful for some things. Get Make yourself become thankful for things in that person. It's so easy to be the other way. It's like our natural flesh, human tendencies. The other things, why do they just pop up in our heads? It's like they're instantly there. It's like you have to think about the other things. Well, make yourself do it. Make yourself think about the positives about your kids. Maybe they've been totally rebellious. But say they're always at dinner. Or they always like to spend that money. Because they they always look nice. And you know they do because they always spend your money. You see what I'm saying? Or they like music, you know. Or think of something really, really good. I mean, most of you in here with teenagers and kids, you should be really thankful. We've dealt with other ones that are not, and you should be really thankful because these are good. But figure out things about the situation that you can be thankful for. Find a way. Look at your spouse. Say she looks nice. Talk about her figure. Talk about... and. Begin to tell it to that person so that they know that you believe in them in some way. Open that mouth. Begin to say it. It's harder than you think. Why is that? Because you haven't practiced it. It's like anything else. You know, uh, Kim, are you a world-class tennis player? Wit? You pretty good tennis player? Pretty good. You've played with some of the best, right? Right. Why would that be? Have you ever practiced? Practiced a lot, right? You ever practiced playing tennis? No. What happens if you don't practice something? You're never going to be good at it. So you have to practice being thankful. We can all be negative. 
everybody in here can just get up in the morning and do nothing and you can automatically be negative. Automatic. Negative. Talk about people, be negative. Or you can get up in the morning and you can put your sign up on your mirror or wherever your first place you go. Me, it's the coffee pot. <laughs> hey, the Bible says do everything in moderation. I can have my coffee. God didn't tell me not to. So I head straight for the coffee pot. This morning, Keith says, you want me to turn your coffee on? I said, mm-hmm. So wherever you are, put you up a sign that says, be thankful or I'm thankful or thankfulness or something that will remind you to be thankful. Because elsewise, the first thing that's going to happen to you is you'll be negative. You won't realize it, but something will spew out of this thing right here before you can catch it. And it'll be about, we're broke, or it'll be about, you didn't do this, or why didn't you pick this up, or why didn't you get that done, or how come this, or why that, or... And before you know it, half the day's gone and you've been negative half a day. And that's not how you receive from God. Let's read a scripture here. First Thessalonians. Well, let's read Ephesians 5 first. 5.20. Giving thanks always. Everybody say that with me. Giving thanks always. Always. How often is that? For all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next one I've got in the Amplified. Put it up there and read it with me. At all times and for everything, giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. So, uh... Give thanks when your wife chews you out. It's said in everything. For everything. Lord, I'm learning patience. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to keep my tongue. Figure out something to give thanks for. Do you see what I'm saying? Elsewise, you're just going to be negative. If you don't, it's your choice. Be a negative person. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It says, Rejoice evermore. When is that? All the time. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks. That means in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning the person next to you. The Amplified says, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, always. Be unceasing in your prayer. Pray fervently. That may be what you have to do in order to get thankful when she chews you out. I don't know. But anyway, or he chews you out. Whatever. Um, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance may be. So do you have an excuse not to be thankful? So can you sit in here and say, but you don't understand how bad my situation is. I didn't write this verse. It says, Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance. That means you, right? For this is the will of God for, say me, in Christ Jesus. And the NIV says, Be joyful always. 
Guys, y'all probably want to get ready. I'm not going to keep y'all all night. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. How many of you can make a change and be thankful? How many of you recognize you haven't been thankful? We can all learn from it. That's what I told you. I was talking to myself. I mean, in situations all the time. The devil knows exactly which button to push. And he will make sure that he pushes those buttons until we get the situation of Thanksgiving fixed. So figure out what it is. And immediately, when you know it's coming, begin to thank God. And let Him know. Because I can guarantee you, if every time He does that, you get fervent in thanking God, what is the devil going to do? He will run and flee. Because he don't want you spending time thanking God. So no matter how bad the circumstance is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad the situation has been with your spouse, you look at it differently. And and if you look at it, this is going to be, you know how they tell you on these cartoons and stuff, if you're afraid, put a picture, a face of somebody else on him. You know, and they'll say, I forget what show it is or something like that. And they put a baby face on them or they do something else and you don't have to be afraid. You know what I'm talking about? So you don't have to be afraid to get up in front of an audience or something. Just picture them as being a baby or picture them as being uh, something different that you're not afraid of, you know. Well, the same thing can go for you and your boss or you and your employee or you and your husband or you and your child. Just think of them about that little baby you're holding in your arms, you know, and they just spit up on you. How mad are you going to get? Because there are grown-ups that are still spiritually babies. And you can be grown up in one area spiritually and in another area still be a baby. You may know lots, 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 lots about healing, but very, very little about marriage. You may know lots, lots, lots about finances, but very, very little about healing. So in every area, you may be mature in one and a baby in another one. So be thankful, whoever you are that's with each other, for the baby that you have. Because you can help them to grow. That's your job, to believe in them and help them to grow. And if you'll do it, they'll grow right. But if you don't do it, they may not grow at all. And they may step out of their place and never fulfill what God wants them to do. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ... Who could be responsible if God gave you a job to do and hooked you with that person? Stand up on your feet. God's a faithful God. And He wants us to have His very, very best. And we can get his very, very best if we're thankful to him for what he's already given us. He gives us a seed of something. And how do we make that seed grow? By being thankful for the seed and planting it, and then it grows. But if you're unthankful for the small thing that you have, are you going to get more? And that's the way it is in most people's lives. They've been unthankful for the amount that they have with a child or a spouse or a friend or a mom or a dad. And not only will they not get more, they could lose what they have. And we don't want to be that. 
We want to be thankful for what God's given us. And use it wisely. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's pray just a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, we just look to you. And if we've been unthankful in any situation, I just ask you now to show it to us and to help us become more thankful. Help us to see any and every situation where we can believe in people more. Help us to trust you more so that we know if we trust you more, you can give us the confidence to believe in people more. If they've done things, you show us how to help them through it, Father. I just ask you now for the wisdom and the graces and the mercies that we need to do the things that you've called us to do so that we'll accomplish your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name. You guys sing something about thankfulness just for a moment. <laughs> 